0: F1 is back in Zandvoort this weekend, where Max Verstappen has displayed utter dominance at his home Grand Prix qualifying, despite only grabbing pole by a mere 0.038 seconds. Welcome to the F1 Grid Talk podcast. Today we'll be reviewing the 2021 Dutch Grand Prix qualifying. My name is Ruby Price, and joining me today, we have Engineer Ewain Medford. Hello. Hello. Formula Shakedown, Steve Jackson. Good morning. Good morning, and... We also have Monkey Seat Podcast's Tom Horrocks. Hello. Hello. So firstly, we'd like to give a shout out to J- Dajeen76 for leaving us a five-star review. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who do to say thanks. So, Wayne Max Verstappen claimed his sixth pole position from the last seven races today. And if this was Spa... That, that would be another 12 and a half points heading his way. But since we've actually got a race happening tomorrow, touch wood, uh, how confident are you that he'll keep that P1 position?
1: Uh, I'm pretty confident, to be honest. I think he'll actually manage it fairly easily. Um, he's just looked kind of, from what I've seen of practice and, you know, in the qualifying, he just looks like he's not really trying because he's so good that he makes it look easy. He's at his home race, you know, everyone's cheering him on. Um, and it's got to be buoying him up because, I, you know, as as it was a monster lap from Lewis, I think to put to challenge him for second, uh, sort of to challenge him for first, um, in qualifying today. And I just I don't think that there's enough in the Mercedes, really, uh, with where the Red Bull is. Um, I I think even with Perez being so far down the grid, um, I think Verstappen probably has the pace, uh, to to get away from Lewis Hamilton and and Valtteri Bottas. Um, you know, at this point, I think uh Mercedes only roll of the dice to try and take it off him um come the end of the 72 laps is is strategy again um and I, I'm not I'm not even sure that's going to help because it's almost like a a quick Monaco in some ways um you know very, very easy to make a mistake and if you do make a mistake we've seen cars going in the wall left right and center um and uh and and I don't think it's going to be easy to get past people, even with a big tyre advantage. So I think it's going to be quite quite difficult for the uh, for the Silver Arrows uh, to get past.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Max Verstappen very much on rails today and setting times that just seem to be so much further ahead of the grid. But I'm just going to stick on Max Verstappen, but also just Zandvoort in general for a minute, Steve. Um, the the cars looked mightily fast on the uh, TV cameras today, don't you think?
2: It's an impressive circuit. Um, it's, it, I think it's probably, um, it's, it, it's very quickly become one of my favourite tracks to just watch cars go around on. Um, turn three and uh, final corner, especially, it just, it, it's just amazing. Um, just touching on what Owen said before as well. It is, it's, it's a bizarre circuit. It's a bit. It's like Monaco and Suzuka had a baby. It's just, it's undulating. It's it doesn't really give the drivers much of a chance to take a break. And if you, if you get it wrong and we've seen quite a few people get it wrong this weekend so far, you pay for it. Um, There's either a gravel trap or a a bloody great wall uh, that'll stop you very quickly. Um, So I, I, It'll definitely take no prisoners. I'm expecting at least one red flag period um, tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a couple more, um, a couple more than one. But um, yeah, it's a it's an amazing circuit. Um, first time here since '85, I think. So it's, um, in my opinion, it's long overdue. I mean, this is a this is a old school, you know, unforgiving take no prisoners sort of track. So. Um, yeah, my only sort of reservation is just the, the the potential or lack of potential for passing. It's very narrow. F1 cars are very wide, so um, it will come down to alternate strategies and that sort of thing. And um, just just going to the strategy side of things as well. The only trick I think Mercedes could possibly pull is getting um, getting Bottas in early to force um, uh, to force Red Bull to react. And that'll give Lewis the opportunity to stay out for longer um on a you know, a, and and potentially put later on and end up on a fresher pair of tires towards the end. But it really just comes down to the I think that first ten, fifteen lap window and just seeing how much of a um a lead Verstappen can pull out.
0: Yeah. And Tom, just on to you again, like what first of all, what do you think of Zanvar as a track after what we've seen so far? But also do you think it's gonna be a race one on strategy tomorrow? Um, I absolutely love that
3: analogy of uh, of Monaco and Suzuka having a baby. Uh, that's absolutely brilliant. And then I think uh, great great Uncle Portimao sitting in the uh, sitting in the chair as well because it did remind me a lot of Portimao with all the elevation changes and that's kind of the roller coaster nature of it. So uh, yeah, stunning to watch. Um, I, I love the uh, I love what a lot of tracks are doing these days with the coloured curbs. It really helps you identify what track you're at, and because sometimes the tracks can be a bit, you know, the Tilka tracks especially can be a bit samey. So so to, to see like these these coloured curbs Silverstone going to black and Monza having the uh, have, having the uh, the Italian flag colours on theirs as well um, I think Brazil have different coloured curbs as well so it's, it's just a lot easier to, to see where you're at now so I, I really like that for the track and the race itself yeah it's it's going to be a strategy race I think um, you, you're going to see. France, Barcelona style race. Yeah, you know, I have no idea who is going to win. I have absolutely no idea. But with with Perez being out in Q one, it's definitely given Mercedes the. It's given them an edge that Red Bull can't counter with Perez out of the picture. So that's that's a plus for Mercedes. But you know, Verstappen has the quickest car. Clearly, he's he's the guy in form. He's uh, he as you said, he looks like he's he's not even trying. He's it's just that. That comfortable. He doesn't look like he's on the edge, whereas Hamilton and Bottas are definitely on the edge, trying to chase them down. So it's uh, it's going to be it's it's going to be feisty, I think. If they can stay within. Um, a second or two of Max Verstappen in those opening phases through the dirty air, then I think Mercedes have got a great chance of winning. And uh, I think Christian Horne already alluded to the, the undercut and how, how much of a threat that is, and that they've got to remember who they're fighting, which tells me that they may well sacrifice a race win for Verstappen finishing ahead of Hamilton. I'll believe it when I see it, but that's a very real possibility. So an outside bet on a Valtteri Bottas win would not be a, uh, a stupid bet this weekend
0: yeah absolutely and you know we've already touched on this uh, Verstappen ended up finishing three hundredths of a second ahead of Lewis Hamilton and didn't even have DRS for that final straight as well so Steve let's move on to Lewis Hamilton starting P2 so close to denying Max Verstappen that home celebration but you know it's all about tomorrow because we're not in Spa anymore so you know Lewis Hamilton's race what you're expecting
2: uh, makes you wonder if they were sandbagging a little bit because that just came out of nowhere. Um, really, really impressive lap. He he did very, very well, especially considering the it. It's been a very patchy weekend for everyone, but for Lewis, especially, obviously, he had that oil pressure issue in FP two, which basically wrote him off for the session, and um, FP one was obviously. Uh, the uh, the seb show again <laughs> with that 37 minute red flag so he's been playing catch up for most of the weekend so the fact that he managed to to you know to sort of scrounge together that quality of lap was um was really good he's not looked his usual smooth calm collected self i think it is it is a very very different circuit to what everyone's used to um Max might be sort of buoying himself off the fact that he's basically 99% of the crowd is there for him. Um, so there might be a, a psychological element there, um, which Lewis may not necessarily have. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he'll be there or thereabouts tomorrow. But again, it's going to be very, very tricky to pass. And that's where Max will... Basically, sort of, he'll see that and he'll recognize it and and just do everything he possibly can to just keep Lewis behind him. Because I think if Lewis can get in front, um, that's a Mercedes either side of re- the Red Bull. They can start playing all sorts of games and just sort of ruin the. Uh, ruin mr spice's day so um yeah i'm i'm thinking lewis will put his foot down um he doesn't really have a choice um things are still very tight in the championship so they're not really in a position to be able to sit back and take the points they can they need everything they can possibly get out of the race tomorrow
0: yeah i mean as of last weekend a uh, one two would change the order of the top if it's uh max verstappen at the start so tom valtteri bottas we've already mentioned you know mercedes can throw him at the pit stops to try and force a mistake from red bull but you know it looked for most of this weekend that he was gonna be ahead of lewis because you know either lewis was off the pace or didn't have the running because of his oil thing but right at the last second lewis hamilton comes along and you know puts him back into third you know valtteri bottas is suggestedly fighting for his uh, race drive. Some people think that there's already a done deal. Um, you know, being behind Lewis again is not quite what he needed at this point. No, I mean, he's he's three-tenths off him,
3: um, which uh, pretty much exactly three-tenths off him. So um, I think given that I think we all know, and I think he knows what's happening next year. It's um, it, it, it's all, but I think the the contracts are signed. It's just going for all the uh, all, all the legal stuff. So he's not fighting for a seat. And the fact that he's he's been impressive all weekends, I think is is actually very very promising. Uh, I think maybe there's maybe this kind of cloud is starting to lift. Now he's got clarity. He knows what's coming next year. So yes, he he has been done by his teammate, but that's nothing new. He is is not it's not new to see Lewis Hamilton beating Valtteri Bottas. I know Bottas has been closer in qualifying up until kind of mid part of last year, uh, but this season he's been nowhere compared to Hamilton, but he, he's, he seems to be, you know, he's been qualifying sort of fourth, fifth, sixth sometimes in these races. And, and in, in a race, in a qualifying session where you had to keep, keep a cool head, Put in your best times when you when you had them and pressure was on constantly. He could well have ended up going the way of Sergio Perez. I, I know I, I said this in our group chat. Why did I not tell anyone? I predicted Perez to go out in Q in, in Q one. I predicted Perez or Bottas to go out in Q one. And I didn't say I didn't tell anyone. And I just really thought that was going to happen. And it could well have been Bottas as the one who went out, but he didn't. He kept a cool head. He he was he worked with the traffic and he put the lap times in when it counted. And yes, he's uh, he's not beaten Lewis overall. But uh he's he's right there with him doing the team job. And as I said earlier, I do think, you know, he's he could end up in a position to win this race despite being the third, the third quickest guy on track, or potentially even fourth quickest guy on track, uh, he does have a real chance to win this race tomorrow. So uh, it's it's not it, it's actually it maybe a, a light for Valtteri and, and to think well, you know, th- there is something to race for, and uh, and hopefully he's going to have a uh, a much more pleasant second half of the season than his first half, which has been um, kind of peak Bottas in recent times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully a much better start to the second half of the season. But Alfa Romeo will certainly be happy with uh, his performance today, won't they? So, Wayne, uh, Pierre Gasly in P4, absolute magic from this man this season, you know, in terms of qualifying. He's always pretty much been around P6, but, you know, he's taken those opportunities where, you know, you've got drivers like Perez and the Ferraris being behind him, you know, and put Alfa Tauri in P4 for the Dutch Grand Prix.
1: It's not the hundred hundred injured car you'd expect to see in P4, is it? Um, he's been. Elect- I don't. I, you know. He, he was he, like you say. He was kind of floating around the fifth and sixth uh, area um, before the summer break. But whatever he's done on his holidays, it's clearly worked out quite well because he's uh, he's up in P4, and yeah, he's helped a little bit by the fact that you know some of the events that have played out in q1 and q2 have have uh have lifted it uh, lifted in maybe and and taken out some of the competition that he would be having um but you still have to put the lap on the board and uh you know leclerc science um and ocon and alonso you know even ricardo they're no slouch like they're not they are not slow drivers whatsoever And to 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 uh, qualify ahead of them uh, i think the car helps a lot um the alfa seems um very very good this season um uh, a, a number of tracks. And this is sort of one that seems to suit it a little bit, I think uh, more than others maybe. Um, But he's pulled it out of the hat and, uh, and he's flunked it on the second row. Um, you know, he'd, he'd do well to be honest within the, uh, within the Red Bull family, at least to, to, to try and give the Mercedes a bit of trouble um, at the start. And, and as much as he can through the race as well, if he's able to, I think the Mercedes will probably drive away because it's, you know, it's a Mercedes still. Um, but stranger things have happened, uh, particularly this season. So he's well within the uh, within the realms of possibility of um, challenging for a podium, I think, uh, should a couple of things go his way. You know, Mercedes have been known to mess up. Um, and, uh, and you've just got to be there to prof on it, profit on it if they can.
0: I mean, it, all it takes is a collision between one of those cars that's in the top... Uh, well, two of those cars, at least, in the top three. And that'll put Pierre Gasly up in the top three. So... Steve, uh, Charles Leclerc in P5 for Ferrari, a very strong weekend considering everything so far for Ferrari, at least.
2: Yep. um, Hasn't been outside the top 10, I think, um, in practice either. And... um, you know, fifth place for his troubles is is very good. He's been just, it's been a very quiet, productive weekend for Charlie. Um, He's just put his head down and gotten on with it and sort of been relatively conspicuous by his absence. Um, It's exactly the sort of thing that Ferrari need. Um, They're not in the dire straits that they were uh, last year, but they've still got a fair amount of work to do. Um, I still believe that, both he and Carlos are putting those cars in places where they don't necessarily deserve to be. Um, But with this sort of circuit where it's not as power sensitive, um, uh, obviously it's, it's worked out for them. It it, it has both, both Ferraris have looked a little bit nervous. Obviously um, uh, one of them came to blows um, earlier in the day. Um, But for, for Charles, he's, he's just sort of, he's, performed well um it's it, yeah like I said before I think it's the sort of the, the quiet productive weekend that he's needed um last few weekends have been a wee bit up and down for him um so this is yeah good result um I wouldn't expect him to climb any further I mean Pierre Gasly's looking absolutely monstrous in the AlphaTauri and then you know the top three I don't think he's within within reach of getting a hold of them but um yeah top five finishes and outside of the realm of possibility and I think if that's where he ends up tomorrow then he should be very happy
0: yeah absolutely so Tom literally 100th of a second further back Carlos signs in P6 what a good recovery for the driver considering you know as Steve mentioned he came to blows with turn three in FP3 obviously they're both ahead of the McLarens which will you know sadden you a little bit but you know, Carlos Sainz, you've got to be happy with that.
3: Yeah, uh, my 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 second favorite ever Ferrari driver did good today. He's uh, after the crash in in uh, in practice. I I feared for him. I thought he was going to be starting at the back with an engine penalty. But as is, they've avoided an engine penalty, and he's finished a hundredth behind one of the most highly rated drivers in Formula One. So that's that's a very impressive performance, uh, Mister Consistent all through to be honest he's uh, I mean he, I think he's having a great season it's a very underrated season as well he's yeah, you know, he, I think his lowest position all season is 11th and he's finished every race so that's considering where Ferrari were that's that's brilliant he's doing better than his teammate in that sense he seems to have the more peaky results the more headline grabbing results but he's just you know he's been called Sunday science in previous seasons because he just gets on with it on a Sunday and I think he'll he's, he's likely to do the same tomorrow um, I yeah, it's it's just great all round for for him. Just another reason to, to underline just how good how good he is and how good he has been in the past. So, but vicariously, that also means that Lando Norris is is really good as well. So I had to have a little comment in there about how good Lando is. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's strong performance. Um, he'd be disappointed to be so close to his teammate and just not out-qualify him but the Ferrari's there in, in a strong position they'll be able to uh, they'll be able to challenge into, into turn one and uh, and kind of try and move forward in the race from there
0: yeah absolutely getting a good start is going to be paramount to Ferrari's race strategy tomorrow and someone who has been known for at least making you know at least not falling back at his start so uh, Antonio Giovinazzi starting in P7 for the Alfa Romeo like He's been strong all weekend, but considering his recent form, this has come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I think it's come out of uh, a, cer- a certain uh, Williams's crash, to be honest, more than anything else. But it doesn't really matter. He'd put the lap in and he'd got himself out of uh, out of Q uh, yeah out of Q two by that point, and uh, and whatever happens after that, you know, isn't really his concern. Um, it's it's sort of the you know i think don't think he's sort of struggling for his seat but you know the rumors are sort of the rumors are that the sharks in are in the water and uh, and they're circling um and uh and it was sort of in the form of the younger drivers who are who are looking for seats um and uh and geo sort of needs to get on with it it's almost as a, like you know he's heard that and uh, and given it a kick up the backside cuz he's you know, he's the, he's another Ferrari engine car in the top 10, which you wouldn't sort of expect to see, really, with how it's been. Um, I don't think he's going to keep... Like, I don't think he's going to stay out there. I don't think seventh is where he's going to finish, to be honest. I think it will drop quite quickly. Um, but there's always, like you know, as we keep saying, there's a possibility to just stay there because, that you know, it's so hard to overtake. And he might just be able to... If you just pop your car in the right places on the right parts of the track... Um, you know, hopefully he can, he can keep some people behind, but, um, you know, that, I don't know whether Juventus he's maybe, you know, he might not have the ability to do that or, or he might just, uh, he might just get swallowed up because, uh, Ocon and Alonso uh, um, and Ricardo for that matter are going to be, they're going to be wanting those, uh, that position, um, as much, uh, like, you know, like just to, just to get them up back in the realms of where they really should be. Um, but, uh, but you know you've still got to give credit where it's due, and it's, it's a great performance.
0: Yeah, very great performance from Antonio Giovinazzi, and it's just a shame for him if he does not get you know a drive next season that he didn't do them more consistently. But Steve, let's talk about our last genuine race winner, Esteban Ocon, starting in P8 tomorrow. Um, what do you expect to see from him? And you know, do you think this was where he needed to be today, or should he have been higher?
2: Um. I think, given the weekend so far, it sort of suggests that that's where we'd expect the Alpines to end up. Um, it's it doesn't seem like a track that favours them. Um, the I think was it Austria um, in the practice sessions they had blistering pace, and I thought I, I remember sitting there going, "This is uncharacteristically fast for this team." Um, but then obviously. Um, you know, come uh, come qualifying in the race so they sort of fell back into their natural place. I think, um, I mean, you know, having an Alfa Romeo ahead of them is a little bit strange. But as Owen hi- highlighted out, I think um, Gio's the uh, you know he's been blessed with the fortune of the uh, the, the disastrous um, session for Williams. Um, that, uh, that's. About where where I'd expect him to be, especially at a circuit that he's not hugely experienced bef- experienced at. Um, I did a bit of sleuthing before um, we before we uh, before I jumped on um, for the recording, and I, I couldn't really find any info regarding um, you know any sort of races for him um, at Zandvoort. So I think it's a fairly new new circuit for him. Um, Considering how quickly he's picked it up, he looks—he's looks he's pretty, um, pretty comfortable um, for most of the weekend. Couple of little mistakes, but nothing too dramatic. And yeah, I—I I wouldn't be too upset with that performance. I wouldn't want to see him go backwards. I think he's quite capable of holding holding his own. Um, uh, I mean, Owen oh, mentioned it before. It will be quite—I I expect it will be quite tricky to overtake. So this will all come down to strategy, I, I imagine, and um, provided he's got the pace to stay ahead of Fernando and they don't do a cheeky swap or anything like that then um, yeah he could he could end up sort of seventh or eighth because I I don't expect uh, a couple of players and uh, ahead of him to actually stay where they are
0: yeah I'd, if I was uh, a spin I would be more concerned of the drivers that are out of position behind him than the ones that are ahead of him but uh, Tom, Fernando Alonso, certainly concerned with drivers behind him, He was holding up the pit lane uh, for the last runs in Q3, but finished P9, what do you make of that? Yeah, that was a bit cheeky. I um, I'm not, I'm not convinced that's that's completely within the spirit of
3: the rules. Um, very narrow pit lane. Very, you can't just go past people like in a lot of other pit lanes. So, uh, it was certainly a little bit on the cheeky side. Not quite as cheeky as uh, as Hungary 7 but uh, but certainly, uh, certainly a, a little trick that he's obviously got in his arsenal there. To I don't know whether he was trying to just. Make every, make it so people couldn't finish their laps or just trying to trying to build a lap. I suspect it's more just trying to trying to get get a space to to build a lap. But it, in the end, it hasn't helped. You know, he's he was um, he was behind his teammate for the whole for the whole session for the whole Q one Q two Q three. He he just didn't have the pace that, that that Ocon had in the end, which was surprising because at times at the weekend he looked like he was in the ascendancy. Um, I don't know if that. Um, that, that visor cam has taken away some of his special powers or something, but uh, I don't know if he's got it on this weekend. Actually, to be fair, but uh, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a bit disappointing, really. I, I expected a little bit more from him. Um, I mean, to, to be fair, I'm talking about compared to his teammate here because it's, if you'd have said to me the Alpines would be eighth and ninth, I was convinced that this race was going to be um, that the four got, the four up front and the Aston Martins, and it was going to be a two by two. Uh, top 10 with them and Alpine would have been a sort of 11th, 12th, 13th around there. So from that perspective, Alpine can be can be fairly happy. But uh, but again, behind his teammate, I, I mean, he's only 200s behind his teammate, So that's, that's not a disaster, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, a little bit on the disappointing side. But again, at least they're in there. You've got to be in the points to, to win the points. So um, they're certainly there in a position where they can potentially try and move forwards. They've They've got to look at getting ahead of that Alfa Romeo and then try and challenge the Ferraris ahead. So that's that's going to be their target. Uh and yeah, they 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 certainly seem to be seem to have a bit of pace this weekend, which is a little bit surprising, I thought. But yeah, no, should should hopefully be good for Alpine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of surprising pace, Ewain, Daniel Ricardo, the lead McLaren driver, finishing P ten in Q three. First out for Q- in first first driver to come out in Q three as well. Um yeah, Daniel Ricciardo. What do you make of his qualifying session?
1: I mean, he's out qualified his teammate.
0: <laughs>
1: it's not. Re- I, I think it's quite a disappointing weekend for the uh, for the for the McLarens. I, I don't. I, you know maybe they can transform something in the race, but I don't really see it happening. Um, but they were they were quite quick in uh, in Belgium, but then they're just kind of not. So I, I they've been historically. You know, bearing in mind that Norris is fourth in the championship and and uh, I think still. Um, hopefully second third that one one of the numbers third (laughs) either way they've been doing quite well and they haven't really this weekend i know norris obviously got caught up in a load of stuff um but you know ricardo's not exactly been lighting up the timing screens really um and i think i think maybe going out first in q3 was probably just get some clean air uh because they, they, it must be that they need all the help they can get, really. They don't want to look for a tow, uh, especially around Southport, which I think really does need, you know, even with the, particularly with the wind that they have been having, uh, obviously with being so close to the sea, they just need the, they need that downforce as much as they can get and uh, and they've not got it. So maybe it's just uh, the sort of setup that they're running or the, the way the McLaren is, it's a little bit odd. Um, so we've been hearing, uh, I don't know whether that will affect it particularly around this track, but Um, It's just sort of uncharacteristically so. So I I am surprised, but I don't think maybe for the reason you're intonating.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was certainly um, helped out by, you know, the red flag at the end of P2, not P2, Q2, um, solidifying his Q3 appearance. And that is one of the things that potentially stopped Lando Norris from, you know, out-qualifying his teammate. But as you say, very much off the pace this weekend, the McLarens. And Steve, a driver who was so close to Q3 again, but ended up causing his own red flag, George Russell P11 currently. Uh, we obviously need to see if there is any, you know, damage or whatever to that Williams gearbox. And hopefully, um, as a George Russell fan, you know, nothing further will come from that, and a P11 start.
2: Yeah, a uh, uncharacteristic mistake, um, which, uh, but. At first glance, doesn't look too bad, but these innocuous oblique, you know, impacts and that sort of thing can cause a bit of havoc. So, um, yeah, I, I think we just need to wait for the dust to settle and and see if it does need like a a, a gearbox change or anything like that. Um, I, I can't see it happening, but like I said, I mean the, you know the 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 impacts that don't look too too dramatic uh, uh, you know are the ones that can be quite problematic um he got away with that seemingly pretty lightly though so so we'll see but up until that point he was looking incredibly quick um he's looks very very fast all weekend actually it just sort of i i wonder if it's an element of he knows that he's got something bigger coming up like a i don't know like there's He's got. He's going into some sort of other project, maybe, or um,
0: going back to Formula uh, Two.
2: Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, it's almost like he's just got a bit of a second wind based on some future plans that are coming up. that you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, he, 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 no one knows where he's going, um, but it's it, it has um, just has has his pace especially in, in qualifying is just insane that car doesn't deserve to be there but he's putting it in places where it just it's i mean if we look back if, uh, just if i can quickly mention spark as if I, ha- I haven't had a opportunity to what the hell was that what on earth did we watch it was like it was it was like the early 90s again i was confused um it just yeah i i I think if he ends up where everybody thinks he ends up, he's just going to be unbeatable. But um, for the here and now, that <clears throat> that car, we know that it's got some issues. It's not especially quick. And around a circuit like Zandvoort where it's, um, uh, you know, there, there's so many elevation changes and so many, you know, rapid direction changes and that sort of thing. it it's, It doesn't favour a car like the Williams, which is quite, Cumbersome compared to it's, uh, you know, the other cars on a lot of the other cars on the grid, but he just makes it do things that it shouldn't be able to do. So, 11th is pretty good. I reckon he could actually be quite annoying to Ricardo, the Alpines. Maybe I mean Geo, I I don't know if he'll stay there or not. Um, I, I expect um he'd start going backwards, which it's all the more incentive for George to basically just put his foot down and see what he can do. But um I wouldn't be surprised if he's harassing a McLaren and a couple of a couple of alpines you know by sort of lap 10 15 he's he's definitely got the pace um and in the long runs that, that he was looking pretty good as well in, in the very short long runs that they managed to do for the weekend
0: yeah a lot of uh, impacts to practice time this weekend so far which should give us a very spicy race weekend um you know touch wood but Yeah, Tom, Lance Stroll, P12 and the Aston Martins. We were going into this thinking that we were going to get something potentially special from, well, special in inverted commas from the Aston Martins. But, you know, I mean, one, one was blocked by two Haas cars, but the other one just didn't have the pace to get into Q3 today.
3: Yeah, a bit surprising, but also um, slightly unsurprising in the fact that this is a real driver circuit, and uh, with the greatest respect to Lance Stroll, who has become a very decent mid-grid driver. When it comes to the the big driving circuits, unless it's where he tends to struggle. Uh, it's the point at squirt circuits where he seems to be able to excel himself. So I'm I'm both surprised and not surprised in in that sense. Uh, yeah, I, I think he to, I mean, to be out-qualified by Williams uh, and again with the greatest respect to Daniel Ricciardo uh, the way he's driving at the moment, I think he would have hoped to have been ahead of Ricciardo and then Giovinazzi as well to be ahead. It's just a kick in the teeth as well. Uh, and you know Aston Martin as a whole are going to be very disappointed with, with their qualifying session. They definitely had the car to be in the top 10 with both cars and now they're having to start. I mean, Lisa get free tyre choice. That is one thing, which on this track is probably going to be uh is probably going to be quite crucial they uh they've been pretty they've been pretty good this season for aston martin for their strategy calls so you might see them potentially starting on the hards and going long um or even starting on the softs and uh and just, just going for it and then making an early pit stop if there's a safety car onto the hards. So as long as they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, they're, they're reacting quickly to what's happening around them, we could see them move forwards a little bit in the race. But uh, yeah, I think Lance is going to be, uh, he, he's going to have to worry about Norris behind him because that, that car is not, uh, that, that McLaren is not a 13th place car. So uh, we, we got all we got to see him go through Turn one first. So it may well change when we, when we come down to Turn 1, Turn 3 especially as well. I think as well, he may well have been, been, Missed out by uh, by the uh, the change in track conditions. The the track because of the limited running all day was rubbering in constantly throughout the session. It was getting quicker and quicker and quicker, and it was always going to be last car across the line was was going to be was going to be in in a good position. And obviously with the with the red flags in the session as well, uh, which the first one was a, I can't believe they gave a red flag for that after a couple of seconds. You know the dust hadn't even settled. But uh, yeah, that that's definitely impacted on him as well so aston martin have have got to react quickly in this race because their fight in the constructors championship is so tight at the moment uh with with them and and alpine it's it's only about what is it? uh i'm just checking now myself uh eight points between um alfatori and uh and alpine and aston martin on 53 they should be a lot higher they should be a lot closer to Tore than uh than where they are They've definitely got a uh, as good a car as Alpha Tori, uh and Alpine, so they need to be they need to be moving forwards uh, in in the race. They need to be putting pressure on them because they've they've got a car to finish fifth in the championship, and at the moment um, looks like they're probably going to end up finishing seventh because uh, Lance Stroll needs to put in the uh, the performances and Sebastian Vettel needs to uh, needs to be more consistent. To be honest, uh, so I mean, hopefully they can they can they can move forwards. I can see Vettel moving forwards. Uh, yeah, I mean he's 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 got a rebel in front of him, so if he can just kind of hang on to the back of him and go through the traffic, then uh, then he should be able to move forwards. But uh, Lance Stroll is he needs to get points; he needs to push into there and get his usual tenth ninth place. That's uh, that's going to be his uh, his minimum for the race, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on the topic of tires as well, it is worth mentioning. I think that we've got the hardest Pirelli range, the hardest three of the Pirelli range, and marbles have still been sighted on the edge of tracks in the long and so. It's going to be an interesting race on deck perhaps as well t- tomorrow. So, yeah, definitely want to watch out for strategy wise, as we've mentioned several times. And away, Lando Norris P thirteen. Tom just said that's not a P thirteen McLaren, but we have mentioned that the McLarens have been sort of off the pace this weekend a little bit. So, you know, do you see him pushing into the higher ends of the points that we are used to seeing Lando Norris in, or you know, do you think you know maybe P eight P nine is where they're setting their expectations?
1: I think P eight, P nine is probably the ceiling, um, past a certain point. Um, a particularly, you know, it's it's not okay, it's not easy to pass and it and I think it's only gonna get harder uh, harder uh, over over the course of the race. Um you know, you mentioned the marbles, obviously, even with the hard tyres that uh, Pirelli have brought, uh, with what we've been seeing, where if you know, turn three, particularly places like that, if you get a little bit offline, you know, if you, if you break a little bit too like that, you're in the wall. I think it's going to get increasingly more treacherous, um, in some of the corners to even affect a pass whatsoever, um, you know, and and, and you running off what it will be the racing line. Um, is going to get harder and harder to do. Uh I think Russ, Nor- Norris uh, sorry will uh we'll have a you know it will get it will definitely get by a couple of people. Um but I don't think Russell is going to be so diff- uh, so easy to to get past. Um Russell you know even even in that Williams as we keep saying is he's, he's just so quick and he just he kind of has that confidence. Um and uh, and I don't he's he's not the sort of one to like he'll give space, but he's not exactly going to give the place away. Um, I think Stroll is probably a bit weaker. Um, but it's, I, I don't see him getting particularly high up because I don't see a lot of cars falling backwards, um, for him to sort of, you know, eat up as it were. Um, so I think it's kind of, I think it's just one of those things of that the McLaren just isn't really fast enough. Um, and then they've not got the setup, uh, right, or they can't get the car to work round here. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, he's sort of he's taken uh, the more of the brunt of it. Um, Ricardo looks okay up in tenth in comparison, but Norris isn't particularly great. I think he might have been affected by the red flag, Norris. Um, so that's probably why he's kept him down there, because uh, I think I remember him being on a faster lap, at, um, but I might be wrong. Um, but it's it's still not really good enough thirteenth because he should be getting there on the first lap rather than you know having to do a second.
0: Yeah, it's all about getting in those banker laps. And we did see how important they were today in Q2. So, yeah. Steve, on to the other Williams. You know, we're just coming back to you for the Williams today. But Nicholas Latifi, if he'd managed to set the same time that he did in Q1, would have finally managed to out-qualify George Russell in that Williams. But sadly, he also then crashed out after his teammate did. So, P14 for him today and based off the Williams performance of the season potentially dropping backwards tomorrow as well.
2: Yeah, I think based off its appearance after Q2 as well, it might be dropping down the grid before they even get going as well, depending on the level of damage. Um yeah, it's 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 Nick Latifi. Um he's reliable not massively exciting but he's he is slowly but steadily developing as a driver um I think it's looking like he will be numero uno at Williams next year um or well I mean you'd like to think so anyway um it I think it's a it's I hope it's confidence building for him that um uh, Jos Capito is, um, you know, has 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 made it very clear that they want to keep him around. So um, I just hope he capitalises on these um, opportunities that he's had, like at Hungary and that sort of thing, where Williams had their first double points finish in, in years. Um, See, tomorrow is going to be a wee bit tricky for him being in 14th, and I expect that to drop even further. Just I I think he's. He's done quite a bit of damage to that car, um, but he'll be he'll be amongst competitors that he can easily, you know, um, you know get you know get the upper hand on. I mean, uh, Sonoda's. Uh, I mean, obviously we'll we'll get to him, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's the two Haas, there's an Alfa Romeo um, uh, driven by a reserve driver as well. There's Seb who could go pretty far up the grid pretty quickly, or he could stay there. As Tom pointed out before, consistency is a bit of an issue. So um, I think Latifi's biggest um, issue is, uh, you know, not knowing quite where he's actually going to be starting the race from tomorrow. And if it is from 14th, then it's not too bad. I mean, he's got Norris ahead of him. He's going to be very, very hard to pass. Um, it's going to be hard to pass anyway, but um, uh you know, Tom mentioned before as well. For um, for Seb, he can latch on to the back of Perez. I mean, there's no reason why Nick can't do that with uh, with Lando either, and just basically, you know, coattail his way up the grid if it works out that way. But um, yeah, it's it's another Nick Latifi you know, three quarters of the way down the grid. But um he, he has had some um pretty remarkable performances on Sunday where it counts. So um yeah, hopefully he does well. Um if not, then, you know, there's always there's always Monza.
0: Always Monza. And, you know, Williams have historically done relatively well around Monza. Um as to whether, you know, present day Williams will do very well around Monza, we'll get to find out. But still, Tom <laughs> Onto a probably not very surprising performance from Yuki Tsunoda to finish P15 in Q2. Um, Were you expecting anything more from him or is the spark that Yuki Tsunoda provided in the preseason very much, you know, vanished at this point?
3: Let's just um, put my tongue firmly in my cheek here. Uh, Phenomenal qualifying session there from him. He uh, he beat the best car, a four-time world champion, a race winner and a Schumacher. Um, no, it's it's not good. Uh, a second off his teammate's best time in the end. He's only had five points finishes in a car that is, you know, is is in that fight. is probably is is in that fight for the fifth best car. So he should be. Realistically, he should be tenth place. In uh, it should be his starting point. You know, before any retirements, that's what he should be looking at. Um, I think his I think his place is safe for next season. I I don't think uh, you know you've you've got um, you've got some other drivers in in the Red Bull Junior program coming through, but I don't think any of them are quite ready yet to jump into Formula One. So I think he's got another year. Um, and let's uh, that's just let's that's just say Honda Honda still being involved is probably uh, is definitely helping him in that sense as well. But uh, he's not there just because of that. He is a quick driver. If you look at his performances in Formula 2, if you just took feature races, which, to be fair, I do in Formula 2. I only really count the feature races. um, His qualifying and his feature race performances were among the best in the season, uh, and he probably would have won the championship. Uh, In fact, I think he would have won the championship if it was just feature races. Um, and qualifying, so um, he's he's definitely as talent. He's a quick driver. He's just not taken to Formula One at the moment. Uh, he's just not even in the same league as Pierre Gasly. Uh, I mean, there, there was very little between them in in uh, in Q one, to be honest. And I think you know he's probably a victim of the of the 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 traffic as well. Uh, I mean, I know he got into Q two, but uh, he's it's just. It's just not really good enough. I mean, to be a second, a second off your teammate's best time. I know Gasly had a couple of extra laps than he did because he was in Q3. But even so, it's just, it, it's not there. I think he's just got to... he he's got to just keep his head down, have some clean races, benefit, you know, show some racecraft, benefit for, from some uh, from some luck between now and the end of the season. And he's got to reset and go again next season because it's, uh, it's it's just not good enough at the moment. But as I said, I, I'm pretty sure Red Bull have got no other option at the moment. So. They'll stick with him, um, but they do need to look out because uh, the threat of Alex Albon coming back into that team, if he comes into Williams next year, which is I know is widely suspected, then um, if he outperforms Latifi, then I can see Red Bull plugging Albon back into that car in a second. So uh, it's, it's definitely something he needs to watch out for. So it's um, safe for the moment, but he, he, can't, he certainly can't rest in his laurels. He needs to improve.
0: Yeah, I was about to say that there are some uh, alumni members of the Red Bull Junior Driving Program who would be happy to take that seat back, Al- Alex Albon being one of them. But, you know, he's currently being touted at Williams, which is interesting, but I guess that's the tie backing. Owen, oh, um, Sergio Perez, P16, very disappointing. And just, um, I've seen a lot of people laying the blame on him of just not getting that lap in when he needed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't think it's entirely his fault in some ways, but um, you know, the track was rubbering in very, very quickly. You know, we we're seeing times rapidly improve and, um, but then, you know, obviously it's just kind of, just kind of fell apart. Um, the problem is he's really put <laughs> the Red Bull at a serious disadvantage, which is not something they employed him for. They employed him because he's, you know, he doesn't. You know, he would be fast enough to get them into the top, but then consistent enough in the race to to actually sort of have an alternate challenge. Um, it just kind of, it, it the, the run just wasn't great. Um, you know, it's it's, I don't know, it's obviously not not a Max Verstappen, but um, I don't know. It just kind of it's just not been amazing. Um, I think it's the easiest way to put it. Uh, I. I, I, I I can't really remember why he wasn't quick, but he just—I think he just didn't get the right side of the track, track evolution. I think he just—and I think his run was probably a little bit too early to where it needed to be to actually take advantage of it, getting faster and faster. Um, and he just ended up the wrong side of it. Uh, so I, you know, you could almost lay some blame at the pit wall there, but beyond that, you know, it's not—it's just not a good performance, and it needs to be better. Um, I'm, I'm sure it will be, but uh, you know, he'll fix it very, very. Quickly, I imagine, but it, it's you know, there's nothing you can do about it now. It just has to hope that you can really, really, you know, make a move on in the race.
0: Yeah, and it is there is only half a second between P1 and P16 in Q1, but even so, that's your teammate that you're the half a second behind in what is supposedly an identical car. So, you know, that's not you know, situation that. There's a little element of situation, as we said, you know, track times and race evolution and track evolution, but you know, at the end of the day, that's half a second that, you know, Sergio Perez should theoretically be able to make up. But sadly not. Steve, Sebastian Vettel, P seventeen will be furious with, you know, the two Russian flagged cars that have been driving around all season. But um, you know, we I I don't know if there's been any decisions made yet from the stewards but you know um they were summoned to the stewards but p17 for sebastian vettel is not where he wanted to be this weekend
2: yeah i think even with um that incident um i, I yeah it hasn't worked out for um for either of the aston martin so it, it, without that incident i don't think he would have been much further up the grid than than he was his best time was one ten seven three one, which is I mean, it's you know, on pace that's still slower than the likes of Sergio Perez, uh Lando Norris, George Russell, so on and so forth. There's not really much to look at and say, well, you know, if that if that didn't happen he'd be five or six places further up than than, you know, than where he is. Um the what happened is, is um, you know, with with Mazepin pulling out on him like that. Um, I mean, I would, and I'm not saying this because I can't stand the guy, but I would lay the vast majority of the blame at Mazepin. It's his responsibility to, you know, to to make sure that. Uh, well, it's his end, also, as his engineer's responsibility to make sure that the track is actually, you know. Clear behind them before he goes and does anything like you know overtaking his teammate to to get the jump on jump on him for a final run in qualifying. Um, I've got some
0: news for you, Steve. Um yeah. hot off the press. No further action for both Mazepin and Schumacher because it was not unnecessary impeding, as Vettel himself said there were too many cars in one place. No further action for wrecking the lap of Sebastian Vettel. Completely unnecessarily. That's that's a joke.
2: Yeah, that's that's, that's
0: a p- joke. That's
2: pathetic. Um, yeah, the, uh, we could um, we could have a, a, an episode on questionable stewarding <laughs> decisions. I think um, yeah, last
0: race weekend.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, with with you know th- that sort of unpleasant. Decision aside, um, I mean, it, yeah, like I, I, Seb's been on the back foot for most of the weekend. Of CFP one was ruined by his, um, by his car lunching itself. Um, and he's not looked overly comfortable for the majority of the weekends. Um, I think that applies to both Aston Martins. I just don't think they've gotten their cars in a, a either cars, either of the cars, sorry, in a, functional operating window where it actually gets the tires to work properly. And this is an issue that Mercedes have had this year as well with their low, r- low rake design. So, um, I think it's symptomatic of the fact that they are, that, you know, they are one of the, the only low rake, you know, long wheelbase design cars on a circuit that would, that naturally is going to favor these, um, you know, shorter, you know, shorter wheelbase, higher rate cars that change direction just faster. Um, the, the fact that Mercedes are where they are is because it's Mercedes, they will find other ways to make it work. Whereas I don't think Aston Martin quite have that tenacity or resourceful nature yet. They're still a fairly young team when you consider, you know, what they've come from and where they were a couple of years ago when they were almost bankrupt under Racing Point. Um, so, sorry, under Force India. So it's, it's, it's growing pains, but it doesn't really help the here and now when you've got a four times world champion Qualifying in seventeenth, and then um, you know an accomplished driver in Lance Stroll as well, and and twelfth. I mean, he's not slow, he's not remarkable, but he is a good midfield performer. Neither of those cars are where they where they should be. But Seb should be especially um, frustrated with that, and I just hope it doesn't turn into Seb frustrated level decisions on track tomorrow, because we know what happens when that when 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 Seb gets frustrated.
0: Yeah, we certainly do. So, Tom, let's move on to your favourite team of them all, Alfa Romeo, but, you know, a different driver in this week, this weekend after being deputised for Kimi Raikkon, who sadly tested positive for COVID, sadly being a word that some of us would use. Um, Robert Kubica has been drafted in, and, you know, to be ahead of the two Haas cars is impressive when you consider the context that he's had to put that car in. Wouldn't you say so, Tom? Absolutely, and
3: uh, and as well, I I'm, I think the future's now bright for my uh, my punditry with regards to Alpha Romeo, with the, with a possibility of uh, of, a, uh, of a of a of a past his pest grumpy Finn going there. Oh wait, no, uh, no, it, it genuinely with. Um, with, with Bottas going there uh, potentially, and the you know the possibilities of of Nick DeVries going there to replace Antonio Giovinazzi, or even Giovinazzi alongside Bottas, I would actually be a lot more willing to to kind of give the time of day to the Alpha Romeo team, and and this weekend as well with Giovinazzi qualifying seventh and uh, Robert Kubica coming into that car completely cold, hasn't hasn't driven. I mean at least he's driven the car before, but hasn't driven in a Formula One session for quite a while on a track that the team would have no data of that he wouldn't have driven certainly since his junior formula days. It's a phenomenal performance. It really is and considering as well that we all thought that he was absolutely trash after his season at Williams when he uh, his comeback season and George Russell defeating him just so comfortably. That's before we all knew how good George Russell was, but but still to beat the Hasses um you know, he, he he didn't get below the one eleven, so he's a good half second off. But he still was it about second off his teammate's time. That's pretty good, pretty good. I mean, you look at you look at um, when Paul Deresta came into a pretty decent Williams, and Paul deresta is no slouch. He's a he's a quality driver. He's fit. He's young, and you know he's fully able bodied as well, which we all know Robert Kubica isn't quite. So the fact that he put it on the back of the grid in a Williams and they said, oh, that's the best he could really do. And Robert Kubica with just an hour in that car, not even an hour because it was a red flag, you know, with like half an hour's running in that car, been able to put it ahead of the Hasses and within, within sort of three quarters of a second of his teammate. It's pretty pretty damn good, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fully impressed with that performance. He's uh, he's about second off the pace when he was two and a half, three seconds off the pace in uh, in practice three. So um, solid solid result for him. I, I I can't think for one second he's going to be getting points. But uh, I mean that the uh, the responsibility of points for Alfa Romeo seems to rest purely on Antonio Giovinazzi, which is a of a, uh, a comment which sends shudders down my spine but uh, it's certainly a yes. Um, uh, he's, he's uh, certainly proved that he has still got something to offer motor racing anyway um, not that we ever doubted it because uh, he was a quality quality driver in the past so I'm just really glad for him to be honest I just didn't want him to be behind the Hasses two or three seconds off the pace so the fact he's there if he can you know kind of the race can come to him and he can just move forward a little bit won't get points but if he can just have a decent race have a couple of battles with someone uh, probably still finish ahead of Sonoda. Uh, that
0: would be uh, that would be a result for him. So yeah, uh, I'm happy to talk about Alpha Romeo this week. Put it that way. Wow, words I never thought I would hear come out of your mouth, Owen. Oh, uh, Mick Schumacher. We've just obviously mentioned the hot off the press news that no further action from either of the houses, so we don't need to talk about that. But what was going? What was going on at the end of that? You know, Q one session. Obviously, we knew that traffic was going to be a problem, but from both houses blocking the entire track at the same time. Uh, I don't really. I haven't seen the.
1: On, unfortunately, I've not seen the replays. I've seen obviously the movement of uh, Mazepin and Schumacher in that area. Um, you know, I don't know when, who was fighting for track position to get ahead of who or what. Um, to be honest, but. Uh, <laughs> it's just a mess really and i think if i really should have seen it coming um with just the layout of the track and it's very you know it, they they didn't put the the um provisions that they did in austria uh Styria, i can't remember probably one, of, but probably both um in the
0: same place
1: uh both dif- uh, different qualified sessions i don't know whether were whether there was queuing up in one or the other um uh you know they should have seen it coming i think Bearing in mind, you know the, the start of the lap being so critical, um, just with the way the, obviously the banking is, you know, you carry a lot of momentum off of it, and it's uh, and it's not like Hungary where you can you can almost start from a standing start really and, and not have too much of an issue. Uh, so I think it's almost the FIA's fault a little bit, which may may have affected um, the way that this decision has gone. Um, but it is silly, and I don't see why the provisions well, don't see why the provisions weren't made. Um, because, you know, it's obviously caused an issue for Sebastian Vettel. I think the Hasses are very, very lucky to get off scot-free. I think part of it is probably that they're not, you know, you can't penalise them any further back. Um, I think there's some of that, and it doesn't help Vettel if they're, you know, oh, they've got a five-place grid penalty, but they're both back there anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a bit kind of messy, um, the way that that's played out, and it's ruined, but ruined Vettel's lap, and... And, uh, and there's going to be no punishment, really, uh, bearing in mind um, what I've just said. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with it. I think I think going forward, like to, like, to end it on a positive note. Um, I think the, the best the has can do is uh, stay out of the gravel trap at turn eleven.
0: I mean, one of those Hasses might ac- accomplish that. I'm not so sure about the second one. Um, But just to further go on what you were saying about, you know, how can you punish the Haas even further? They are already racing in 2020 based on their current car. So, you know, they're already a season behind. But Steve, uh, you know, let's talk about everyone's least favorite driver in Formula One. Nikita has a spin. Um, Is he going to have a spin tomorrow? What do you reckon? Place your bets.
2: Probably. I don't really care, to be honest, as long as he doesn't take anyone else out on the way. Um. Yeah, it's he's. I I think we're all very aware of why he's in that team, and why he's still got to drive. Um, and the uh, the fact that um that is still a thing, um, is probably for a for an entirely separate episode. Um, we might have to queue up some just some hour long gripes about various things in the current state of uh, formula 1 but um yeah i i mean you know today's a perfect example of why that sort of driver doesn't belong at this level of motorsport he can drive i will admit i i mean i can't do the things that he can i mean i do, you know that's i'll be very very honest and say that he 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 would absolutely demolish me and you know a bunch of other people around a racetrack but you know uh, formula one is 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 the pinnacle of of you know you could consider it the pinnacle of motorsport It's certainly the pinnacle of open wheel racing which is as we all know incredibly dangerous um and he just has very little disregard for his um colleagues who he has to share a racetrack with and has to respect um the space that is, um, you know, that, that they all have to work with. They they all use the same bits of track. And it's just, I think it's something that we've mentioned before on the podcast is it's just a matter of time before he causes a hideous accident and either hurts or kills himself or someone else. Um, and that's not a conversation I want to have. So it's, it's either a case of he improves his situational awareness and his, his willingness to actually work with other drivers. And because I don't believe he's either willing or capable of doing that, um, I need to find a different driver, but they won't because he also funds that or sorry, his dad funds the team. So yeah, I'm, I'm afraid we're probably stuck with him for another year or two at least. But, um, yeah, I just hope he keeps his nose clean and doesn't, doesn't get in the way. And if he does come off, it's not a major incident, and he's he's not hurt or killed, or you know, putting others at risk or anything like that. Because it's just, I wouldn't wish harm upon anybody, even even him. I don't like the guy, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know what we saw in qualifying is the exact reason why he just doesn't belong in Formula One, and I I I'll I'll take that to the grave if anybody wants to uh, to throw rocks at me over not wanting them in the sport you are more than welcome to that's your opinion i have mine and that's how that's how these things work
0: yeah so uh, after going through all 20 drivers um let's have a look at our top three predictions for tomorrow so away you've already said that you think max Verstappen, you know is going to keep a hold of that top p1 position but you know are you going to stick with that and who else is occupying the podium for you
1: no, I'm going to give it a. Uh, I'm going to give it over. Stapp and Hamilton, and then Gasly. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to go down that way.
0: You're expecting Bottas to just drop off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair assumption that has happened a lot this season.
2: <laughs> I like I how there was absolutely no hesitation there either. Just yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, Steve, your uh, top three prediction, please.
2: Uh, mine was actually honestly the same as Owain's, but just to be different, I'd I not I'd be quite happy to see Carlos signs, just sort of sneak in a cheeky third. Um, I think Max will nail it. Um, uh, he's just been... That, that car's been on rails all weekend. Um, Lewis has obviously found something, um, so I'd expect him to stay where he is or, or thereabouts. Um, and, yeah, with potential shenanigans Valtteri deciding to you know go visit the beach with a couple of other cars and tow maybe at t1 on lap one I don't know um but yeah like a, a third place for Carlos signs would make me pretty happy so that'll be my top three
0: yeah I think after everything uh, that Carlos has been through this weekend him finishing it in p3 that would be just you know the perfect way to end the weekend but Tom your top three please uh, I think I'm going to shock a lot of you here with my top three. Uh, I am going
3: for a Valtteri Bottas win with uh, Verstappen second and Hamilton third. And I think uh, Mercedes are going to try and manoeuvre their pawn to, uh, uh, to to try and uh, try and get their get their king into a good position, and then the king's going to be taken out by the queen, that is Max Verstappen. Um, it's um, it's. Yeah, I, I just think they are gonna they're gonna uh, try and maneuver Bottas into a position that's gonna help Hamilton, and as a result, Red Bull are gonna use Verstappen to cover him. So, uh, or you know, they're gonna sorry they, they're gonna cover Hamilton, and then Bottas is gonna kind of stumble into a win. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> it, it is a little bit bold, I know, but I just got this uh, this feeling that uh, this might be a, a bit of a redemption time for Valtteri. So yeah, Bottas for Verstappen, Hamilton.
0: Yeah, mine also follows a similar pattern of thought to that. However, I think. Mercedes um you know will at least get Hamilton ahead of Verstappen you know that's what I'm hoping for at least so Bottas Hamilton Verstappen um but like you say it all depends on whether you know Bottas can actually pull it off or not and you know it might be a little bit bold but let's go for some bold predictions now so Wayne your bold prediction please
1: um right I'm predicting that Kubica. It's going to somehow make it into first based on no experience whatsoever, like no experience at this track whatsoever, uh, in a team that hasn't come here before, and then his car's going to fail on like the th- like three minutes to the end. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't. That will happen. There we go. That's I it. know
2: exactly what you're talking about, and I was almost in tears for the poor poor guy. That's that's just mean. Don't do it. Don't do it to him twice.
1: Oh, I predicted it. There we go. It's been
2: said.
0: <laughs> that would be. What's the last three minutes
2: of Le Mans if you were. Uh, if you don't yeah, get that one, it's 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 heartbreaking to watch. Um, oh dear.
0: Steve, your bold prediction, please. Is it uh,
2: heartbreaking? It depends if you're at spa as a ticket uh, as a as a you know a, a ticket holder or not. But I don't think we'll get full race distance tomorrow. I think based on the number of red flag incidents I think it'll be significantly delayed to the point where we won't get full race distance.
0: It, it I guess it depends on whether you know the FIA actually tell teams as to whether the clock <laughs> started.
2: Yeah, no that's that, that's true, that's true, but you know like sparse shenanigans and weird decisions aside I just this track is very very unforgiving um so i think we'll we'll see at least one red flag but i think we'll see enough red flags and delays and marshall's not fully clued up on how to use fire extinguishers properly to uh, to you know uh, to see uh, to see the race ends sort of before it should
0: we did certainly have our first share of red flags today and i guess i could sort of back it up but tom your bold prediction please i've been waiting for this since you mentioned it in the uh, stream chat
3: you're all gonna
0: die i predict antonio giovanazzi is going to
3: be the highest finishing ferrari engine (laughs) and i genuinely think it could happen so yeah a positive prediction for uh for the for an alfa romeo you heard it here first (laughs) wow just wow
2: I was going to say, has Antonio Giovinazzi's manager got in
1: touch with you somehow to just lay some...
3: No, I've, I've been given a cease and desist <laughs> order cross. from Alfa Romeo, so I'm making up for lost time.
1: I <laughs> see, <laughs> I see. Is Antonio Giovinazzi's uh, manager now Raikkonen's old manager? Yeah. <laughs> the best manager in Formula One. I'm just waiting for Fred Vasseur's
2: head to pop in stage left behind your green screen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that would be oh, kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> my bull prediction is going to revolve around not necessarily the actual race result, but I think Red Bull might stick a new engine in that um, Red Bull of Sergio Perez before the race. Because, you know, we've said oh, it's, yeah. there's potential for, um, you know, lack of overtakes and Red Bull are very much in need of getting some new engine components in at least one of their cars so why not throw away a race when he's already had a run of pointless races anyway so yeah that's a good shout a good shout mm. from yep red bull yeah and finally as well just a star of qualifying you know owain who is you who was your star of qualifying i don't know we did this now what we, we've, we've always done this i just I- tend to forget about it a lot of the time because it's not actually in my script
1: Ah, that, that'll be why. Uh,
0: I th- think it's
1: got to be Geovinazzi for seventh.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a fair one, given the starter, you know, F1 Jesus, as he's been dubbed. Steve, your star Jesus. of qualifying, please. Gasly. Gasly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, understandable. Tom? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I think... Yeah, I've got to go for
3: somebody different. Um, I think I'm going to go Robert Kubica. Uh, it'd be, it's a bit unfair to not say Max Verstappen after his lap and to not say Hamilton given how close he got to that, You know, despite uh, Verstappen's DRS issue. But I think uh, I'm going to go with Robert Kubica.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to go with... Um... I was about to say Nikita Mazepin as a joke, but I couldn't even finish the sentence without gagging, so... Did you throw up into your mouth a little bit there? (laughs) Antonio Giovinazzi can be my star of qualifying because, you know, putting an Alfa Romeo there from him, nah. But he's been really good all weekend, so, you know, got to give him something. So that is the show, and... Uh, Grid Talk is available on Amazon as well as YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. Just search F1 Grid Talk. We have a huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Uh, we have a Reddit. You can search for the subreddit F1 Grid Talk. And we also have a Patreon for mics, lights and better recording equipment. You can also get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise at gridtalk.com. No, gridtalk.shop. Why, why don't websites have .com or .co.uk anymore? Anyway, um, make sure that you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. And just before we go, an opportunity to promo. So, Wayne, if people want to go and find you, you know, you post articles and stuff, where, give yourself a bit of a, you know, shout out. Uh,
1: I have to admit, I've been slacking as of late. Uh, but, <laughs> but if you want to read some of my older stuff, uh, you can read it over on sportlightpro.com.
0: Spotlightpro.com. Absolutely. And Steve, give us a bit of a pitch about Formula Shakedown. You've got a podcast now as well. We've got a podcast.
2: Yes. Um, we've recorded two. So the first one is out of the oven, has rested for a while, and is now fit for human consumption. Um, you can listen to it on Formula Shakedown, which is our Facebook group. So just look up Formula Shakedown. Um, and the second one was recorded um, yesterday morning. Um, and that should be out fairly shortly. It focuses on open wheel racing, Um, so F1, Indy, um, F2, F3, Super Formula, S5000, that sort of thing. Um, But if I get my way, we'll have another for GTs and prototypes and that sort of thing as well. So you can find it on there, and I think we are working on getting it launched on... um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, so on and so forth—the usual suspects, anyway. But uh, come find us on Facebook and have a listen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do and Tom, anyone watching this will know that you've been visually promoting your own uh, podcast for a long time. But you know, give us give us a pitch about Monkey Seat Podcast. I just want to
3: listen to Formula Shakedown. That sounds awesome. I'll definitely subscribe to that. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that that sounds cool. uh, You've got a new subscriber now. Uh, No, we're we're at the Monkey Seats, uh, at Monkey Seat Pod on the socials, monkeyseatpod.com. Like Formula Shakedown, we cover... um, Top line motorsport, uh, open wheel racing, uh, not so much um, Super Formula or anything like that, but uh, it's more focusing on on uh, Formula One as a main. And then as a, as a uh, kind of a support act, we've got IndyCar Formula E and, uh, and the support series as well. We touch on as well. We get Ian Davis on from uh, Veloce Motorsports after each Extreme E race. Uh, the one exception to the open wheel rule. We do follow Extreme E as well because it's just cool. Um, so, yeah, come and give us a come and give us a listen.
0: Yeah, and if you want to hear anything else from me, uh, I do have a YouTube channel, just Ruby Price. You'll find me, trust me. And on that note, we will be back tomorrow to review the race results from the first Dutch Grand Prix since 1985, Um, and we hope you enjoy it. So, you know, thanks very much for listening. We'll still be on YouTube for a bit to answer any questions that you've got, but other than that, thank you very much and goodbye.